Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode of The Discourse, the one-on-one interview show with filmmakers, actors, and other industry folks, which is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike D'Angelo. On this episode, I got to sit down with a biggie for me. Uh, Benedict Freakin' Cumberbatch joins me to discuss his latest film, The Power of the Dog, which is directed by Jane Campion. The film hits theaters, uh, limited theaters, on Wednesday, November 16th, and will be streaming on Netflix Worldwide on December 1st. If you're not familiar with The Power of the Dog, the novel, or the movie, it basically follows a pair of rancher brothers, Phil and George Burbank, in 1925, one played by Jesse Plemons and the other by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Jesse's character finds himself a wife, played by his real wife, Kirsten Dunst, and it sends Benedict's Phil character into just, like, a rage. Who's He's already a miserable bully of a man. And he's super toxic in his masculinity, and he just directs it at Kirsten and her son, played by Cody Smith McPhee. And it's a really outstanding character study that digs into and examines toxic masculinity and repression and all these different subjects. And Benedict is just so good, and he's he's basically all but guaranteed to be nominated for Best Actor. It really is an outstanding piece of work that can spark some interesting discussion for those that enjoy a good slow burn character drama, so I highly recommend it. During our chat, Benedict and I talk about what drew him to the character of Phil Burbank, his sort of method acting process, what makes Jane Campion such an outstanding director, and of course, I try to get a little Marvel tease out of him. We'll see how that went. As always, The Discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes The Playlist Podcast and Yellowstoners, which I'm also a part of. Also, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Follow us on iTunes and you'll get this podcast as well as our other shows regularly. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating as we do very much appreciate it. Okay, enjoy The Discourse with the amazingly talented and wonderfully kind Benedict Cumberbatch. Hi, Mike. Hi, Benedict. Uh, just first off, I can't thank you enough for doing this and giving, your, giving me your time. Huge You're fan welcome. of both thank you. the movie and your performance in it. Really outstanding. Thank you very much. So this character of Phil Burbank, very yeah. complex, oftentimes very cruel and domineering. I'm wondering, when you're playing a role that has such a mean streak to him, is it enjoyable for you? Is it freeing for you? Or do you find <laughs> it kind of difficult? This? Do I like making people suffer? No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's a weird thing because when I first read it, I think I, hopefully it's the same experience the audience have. You, you come to this character like a hard rock punch to the face it's not there's nothing um apologetic about it and uh it's 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 a it's a rough ride with him but then what's extraordinary is as you get to understand him what his inner truth is uh, is unrealizable in inner truth and his vulnerability and how all of his abhorrent surface behavior is driven by fear you kind of empathize with the guy you feel for him and so 
Yeah, I mean, I guess two things. I'm quite apologetic and a bit of a people pleaser. So it's as far away from me as I could possibly get that kind of mean streak in him, the, the brutality of his gaslighting of Rose and his treatment of Peter and his constant body shaming of his brother. But I think, you know, while I would still maybe sometimes at the weekend apologize to Jesse and Kirsten as I saw him socially, but, uh, you know, it's a job. And, and I was given full permission to be that character. And I had to, I had to really go somewhere else. So... Jane introduced me to the crew as I asked her to as Phil. And she said, look, this is Phil. We're working with Phil. Benedict's really nice. We meet him at the end of the shoot. And I'm like, good, because I need to be a bit of an arsehole right now. There's an upside to that as well. It is freeing. It's not enjoyable, but it's it's freeing um, to, to be given permission to fully invest in character, whether it's the darker, more negative sides of that character. And I think then you've got further to go as an actor and an audience as well to reveal the secrets. And what a great thing. You've got this toxic masculinity and then you've also got this secret that he has that he's able to reveal in private in another moment of the film as the story expands and that's kind of it's rare to have both things uh you know i think always most actors i know will always find something to empathize with uh, in their roles no matter how the point the behavior of those characters are you, you kind of have to go some way towards understanding why they do what they do it's kind of a page one acting question so you naturally start to empathize and i think doesn't mean you condone the behavior it just means you you contextualize it you, you have a, a a way of understanding it and with toxic masculinity we really need that i mean phil's specific motivation is very particular obviously but it's a subject that's still so relevant in our time but you know hopefully we're living through a time at least where survivors are able to speak out be platformed and supported but we need to understand why their abuse is abused now we need to have that conversation to be able to have it in the dialogue so we can educate our sons and our children at large about the more equal better world the kinder gentler world we need to live in the hurt people hurt uh, people, people hurt people yeah. precisely yeah. Precisely. Yep. I need someone who hates on the world before he can hate on him. And I think he's so jealous of their happiness. He's so jealous and, and, and terrified of being cut adrift because he sees his brother moving to love and someone else. And he is stuck in the past because he's experienced trauma as a 19 year old watching Bronco Henry travel to death in a corral, which isn't in the, in the film, but is in the book. And it was very much something that was present for me in my imagining of that connection of, of relationship to that mystical yeah. off-screen character you know i think um untold damage done to this very complex human being very bright intelligent man and it just it turns him inside out turns him twisted and bitter and you did touch on the the method of it all i know it's a bit of a dirty word nowadays um but it, it sounds like you really went deep yeah, why is that why is that <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um i guess I, I this has been the longest involvement in pre-production and the longest amount of time i've had on a shoot to really invest in a character and then immerse myself in playing him on the day i like to think that anytime someone says action i'm there i'm doing it and it doesn't matter that i can then snap out of it and go so anyway tell me about uh, bobby at the weekend you know i can <laughs> I, i'm very happy to be a light guy on set and then go into really heavy work. There's some moments where I have to take myself off in a corner and just be separate from what's going on because it's just a very difficult place to reach and I have to focus on it. But, you know, there were times when I wore Phil lightly and I'd be having fun as Phil on set. You know, he's not always, it's, it's not always Derm and Strong there. And uh, especially in building the relationship with the Cowans who were amazing. You know, a king can, can only be as good as his court and they were so committed so brilliant and often you know not heavily featured in the foreground but so so vital to me to have the confidence to really believe i was bringing something off of what phil's nature is in the book and the script so 
hats off to them. And yeah, I, I, I could be lighter in those moments as well with them to entertain them and cajole them and just be with them. And it was, that was a lot of fun. You mentioned in another interview that director uh, Jane Campion allowed you to go places that you'd never quite been before. Um, yeah. Can you elaborate on, on that and why you think she's able to just kind of make actors so comfortable? Because there's a lot of people that say that. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's utterly, um, yeah, it's just utterly, uh, what's the word, um, transparent in all of her actors' performances and all the films leading up to this. It's one of the reasons you, when Jane rings, you just go, yeah, I want to have that experience. The, the amount of authenticity and rawness in those performances is so just inspiring, really. And where you want to go as an actor. And I think lots of things so she gave me a lot of help when we began and we worked in tandem there was a real hand-holding generosity and friendship in our collaboration that meant that we were creating this awkward difficult passionate destroyed damaged human being to life and trying to honor him and honor the central nature of him in the story and and savage's book and we did things which which she turned to me at one point and went, i'm just trying this new thing have you have you done dream analysis and i was like no he said well, i'm working with this Jungian dream i'm gonna just drop the kiwi accent it's gonna get strange <laughs> um, i'm working with a Jungian dream analyst called kim gillian would you like to try and i was like yeah of course i would that sounds amazing she was like really and she she was always profoundly um impressed with how i wanted to jump in i was always profoundly impressed with how much she she offered me to jump in you know she gives you the space and the the time and, and through Tanya Sagachin, our wonderful producer, and Netflix at Al, you know, they, they facilitated dude camp so I could go to Montana and literally do everything I do in the film and learn it from the hands of real pros, a cowboy called Randy Newman and his wife, uh, not Randy, Roman Nyman, sorry. I was going to say, he's an impressive songwriter too. Uh, no, no, Randy is just this exceptional cowboy who makes the most beautiful rope that's kind of um, admired and bought from around the world. He also takes horse clinics around the world. He knows how to treat, hide, cut it, braid it, and turn it into these beautiful works of art, as well as having lived the life and an amazing musician, by the way. I mean, you know, he's the real deal. And he took me to a couple of branding events at two very different, wonderful ranches where I met incredibly generous people, all of whom let me into that world, who wanted me to authenticate their experience, but also Phil's and his story and uh, feel confident as an actor doing that. Um, so far away from my lived experience. So I needed it. And they were so, I, I just met generosity everywhere I went to try and give this guy authenticity. And Jane did that she then she then pushes us in weird ways as actors when we all first got together we went on a kind of a little two-week boot camp there in, in queenstown and i didn't wash for five days and then she'd take me out to dinner for sushi or something i was like that's not fair and then i said to her afterwards you know, yeah i'm finding this around the cast and my family's not at home so it's just me experiencing my instinct and then you throw me in front of tourists who then want a selfie with the cumberbatch of sherlock and strange i'm like i'm emanating a biohazard worth of um body odor right now i think it's just please keep me away they'll harass me but you know she she's kind of um she can be quite she can ambush you she can she can destabilize you in, in a really good way as well as being generous and it's you know she got us to do strange things like jesse and i waltz one day you know two grown men waltzing but we're, you know we're enough i'm in my 40s and he's younger but we had we've been brothers for about 40 years in the story 25 of which we'd run a ranch on our own. We know each other back because it's a very odd codependent relationship. And weirdly, being close to that extraordinary actor that he is, I had such admiration. I do. I think he's literally one of the best, if not the best generation of our generation. He's so profoundly gifted at grounding everything in authenticity and truth and doing it in a very cinematic way with so little. He's just like, it's like you, the gravity of him. You just lean into what he gives as an actor. It's, it's really special and to be cherished and celebrated. And so there was all of that going on. And, and we and we got on very quick. We had a bromance very quickly as friends. And to sort of bury that all into the work, 
she just knew how to sort of do things like that to make a shortcut all of that baggage and get into a physical proximity an understanding of each other's bodies that was very unusual to have through any other means and it just it was great very very smart and but odd and destabilizing and funny and awkward and then it sort of started to work as something that oh yeah I see why she's doing this and it, and then improv we did a lot of improv together and uh, then on the day introduced me as Phil you know she said this is Phil this is who you're working with Benedict's really nice but this is Phil you'll meet Benedict at the end of the shoot and I was like great so I'm allowed to be an arsehole in front of grown men and women who I don't know yet who are the crew and that first day was terrifying but after that I felt I owned a bit of it and just every step led me further up the mountain and it was just a great journey. I mean, you touched on on who Phil was kind of before you put up those walls with yeah. Bronco Henry. Did you yeah. ever like really think about who he was before he like put on those chaps, so to speak, and and like Fully. before he became Fully. that kind of guy? Fully. And you know, the book goes into the beautiful vignettes of his childhood, and we'd expand on those in sort of anecdotes. So I'd be hot seated in character, or I'd, I'd, I wrote letters to Bronco, and he wrote letters to me uh, about our feelings and understanding of one another, and um, I shared those with Tanya and with Jane uh, one night when they were hot seating me about my memory of him as Phil. And yeah, we, it was really, really important to fully understand who that child was as well as of Brahmin parents who'd come out east to kind of play at ranches, you know, they're kind of the Bezos and Bransons of, of, of that, sure. that era. Instead of popping up into space and waving at the cameras when they land, they were, they were going, look at us on horses, you know, uh, once a year and letting other people run the ranch, Bronco being the most prevalent. And I don't think it's just the spell that Bronco cast. I think it's the whole thing that, that hooked them as children. And George was still being pulled about and having his hair straightened for Christmas, whereas I was like, I was fully engaged in what they'd given me and didn't want to be yanked back into society as he sort of you know, mocks <laughs> it. And he's really proud of how integrated his life is, how dirty he is, how truthful his world is. He, he's utterly about the land and the outdoors and the animal and the men and women that, that cope with that and the weather. So, yeah, he couldn't reassimilate into that other thing. And even though he got high scores and and, and 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 is a scholar from a brownstone university education he's still somebody who wants to talk and dress and work and act like folk there's nothing um, <laughs> titled about him at all it's all earned through his labor and they really you know the men of his world really admire him for that i i do have to wrap up with you here but before i do that uh, i wouldn't be a good marvel fan if i didn't at least touch on dr strange and, and sure. spider-man I won't ask details, but I'm definitely curious what Raimi is is bringing to Multiverse of Madness because you know he's kind of known for horror and camp and and what he brings to those films. Is he bringing those elements, or is he doing something kind of completely new here? Yeah, I have to wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> well played. I would say that there's, there's a there's a lot of Marvel and there's a lot of Raimi as well. Raimi fans will hopefully not be disappointed. But um, awesome. It's a very giddy mixture actually, and I think it's it's a riot and it will live up to its title, the multiverse of madness for sure. Nice. Well, as I said, I'm a huge fan and uh, to everyone listening, power of the dog is in select theaters on November 17th and will be streaming on December 1st. Benedict, Thanks you were so amazing. Much. Hope you get all the awards for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Very kind. Thank all you. Right.